0: newman tom cruise in a martin scorsese picture he's got the eye he's got the stroke he's got the fleet vincent's the best we got a racehorse here a thoroughbred you make him feel good i teach him how to run i'm not your daddy i'm not your boyfriend so don't be playing games with me i'm your partner I love this. You're an incredible flake, but that's a gift. I made money, I lost money. No, wait. Fix him. I got half of me that says I got a hold of the best thing that I ever seen and half of me that says it just ain't worth it. Right Why'd you take a walk? 500 bucks says you choke right now. You used me! Yes, I did.
1: I'm gonna leave. Ah.
0: This is Fast Eddie Felsen. Who the hell are you? 25 years ago, I won my share of medals. It was over for me before it really got started. I see some heavy legend action. I want his best game. You want my game? You couldn't deal with my game, Jack. You're outmanned. I'm going to beat him, you know. What makes you so sure? Touchstone Pictures presents... You smell what I smell? Smoke? Money. The Color of Money.
2: Well, I was going to ask, how how's Mac been lately? How has he been?
3: You know, um, he's been okay. I saw him last week. We went to go see the Marvels together. I
2: thought that was him. That's so
3: funny. He's uh, he's coming to see Thanksgiving with me as emotional support.
2: <laughs> Hilarious. That's funny.
3: So I I I legitimately I am not making this up. I had an anxiety nightmare about seeing Thanksgiving. Really? Yeah. So I think it's because I like was exposed to hostile like fairly oh, young
2: damn like elementary like,
3: like, I, young i say like fairly young i think i was in high school but i don't think i liked horror yet or like appreciated it at all oh, yes? so it was like the hardest shit i've ever seen and i was just like guess i'll die like oh, yes. i had no way to deal with it except like terror i think i was 14 or 15
2: I mean, for and that I'm, movie, I'm that's still to, young.
3: like. Yeah. And so I was like, oh, I committed to doing this, but this is going to be fucking abysmal. I'm never going to sleep again. Like, I'm, I'm fucked. I fucked it. Kind of so tough. I messaged my friend who saw it at, like, the Splat Pack Film Festival. He lives out in L.A. He's really nice. His name's Ari. He wrote a great pilot script that won a bunch of festival awards. Uh, Ari is great. Go, Ari. We met because we were both cosplaying Star-Lord, and we just, like, became buddies, and and now we're buddies. Nice. So I said, hi, you saw Thanksgiving, right? And he goes, yeah. And I said, okay, please don't spoil anything, but how gross would you say it is? I know it's a slasher, but I have a tricky time with prolonged, intense gore. I have an opportunity to see it in press, and I'm trying to prepare myself, and the trailers are so heavily edited, I really can't tell. It's gross. Not as gross as the original Thanksgiving trailer in Grindhouse, which made me want to die, but it's also usually funny-gross. The trailers aren't doing justice to how hilarious it is. It's one of the best comedies of the year. But the gore does make the last two Scream movies look like PG-13.
2: The last Scream movie was kind of... It was kind of gnarly, I can admit.
3: Yeah, but also, like... I don't know. I, the stuff with the gun, I don't respond to at all. Like, yeah. maybe it's because I, I've just spent so much of my life doing active shooter drills and, like, knowing that could happen to me at any time when I'm in a public place... But like yeah. Ghostface with a gun just didn't like
2: Well yeah, not the shotgun, but like when the girl fell and hit her face on the, the trash can, that shit was pretty wild.
3: Yeah, but even that, like I feel like it was far enough away. Like if, if I'm like in somebody's business, then I'm like Ugh. but like <laughs> that was like enough enough distance. I didn't feel like I was in the splat zone. Okay. I also just hated that movie, so my hatred for that movie might be, like, (laughs) making me strong.
2: Did you ever see it twice? No. I fucked up. I saw it twice in three days. That was a bad decision by me.
3: Mark, my life is hard enough as it is. I
2: know.
3: I don't (laughs) need to be making it worse. Shit.
2: Me too. (laughs) But, yeah. I mean, the reason I did it that, like, back-to-back is because... I really didn't want to believe it was trash In the second viewing, yeah. submitted it was trash
3: That sounds hard for you
2: It does It absolutely does But <laughs> But yeah man um, So Are you seeing it alone or is Matt going to see it with you?
3: Matt's coming with me He's my emotional right. support person He's less excited about it than I am
2: Have you seen a lot of new movies this year?
3: No.
2: Okay. Cause I was thinking about maybe something like a top movies of the year. Maybe the big, uh, January, early January when yeah. we come back. Um, I think I've if include shorts, I've seen like forty, and I know there's like at least another five. I'll probably see. By the end of the year um, But you
3: know. Hang on I think I can count While, while we wait <laughs>
2: Of oh, how much you've seen this year
3: Yep Okay
2: Oh this isn't going well Oh no <laughs> I, I I can guess Well, the two, I guess, major releases That I know you didn't see Oppenheimer and Killers of the Flower Moon But Everything Hang left. on Alright uh,
3: uh Yeah, looks like we are at 12
2: One for every month all right. We can do a top ten.
3: All right. <laughs> and I'm also going to be seeing, I'm seeing the holdovers, I think, on Thursday with my mom. I'm seeing Thanksgiving. Hopefully, I'll have more to to offer before too terribly long. I really liked holdovers. I- Matthew, like, texted me in the middle of the night. I was like, fucking see it. And I was like, okay. Okay.
2: <sighs> I, I love Giamatti. I really really love Giamatti. He's so good. I don't. I can I can actually see him getting nominated for best actor. I don't think he's gonna win. I've heard that, but I can see it happening.
3: Well, right, because it's gonna be good old Johnny Oppenheimer.
2: Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's gonna win it. Um, I think um I think him Giamatti. And I, I think um, oh, Fuck I didn't want to Jeffrey Wright I think Jeffrey Wright Will probably get nominated also But um I wonder if Gosling I'm, I'm assuming Gosling Will probably run in Best important Actor Not best lead Which I mean I get But I don't know. Oh I think Barry Well I don't know if Barry Keoghan Actually get nominated for lead actor for Saltburn but Saltburn is pretty fucking wild like I it's really on like my Salt list
3: Burn. when it is coming out Yeah I have heard uh pretty mixed things about it if we're honest
2: I I mean so I know one person said that the movie is kind of self indulgent but I don't I don't necessarily I don't necessarily agree with that I think that the movie is pretty sure Of itself And is pretty sure of its characters And it chooses To to like really go into that It doesn't like shy away from it And there's a lot of points There's a lot of parts of it that like really lean into it And so I guess maybe you can take it or leave it But (laughs) I took it uh, No pun intended uh, From the movie So I thought it was really good but um i can see if like people i guess maybe similar to babylon to where like i i respond to bombast and you know just some people just didn't like babylon and i love babylon
3: yeah i don't know this <laughs> this whole year has been such a weird like highest of highs lowest of lows for movies that I'm really struggling to get excited about anything
2: Like Left for the Year?
3: Uh, anything, even stuff that I ha- just haven't seen yet
2: I mean, I would assume your favorite is Asteroid City this year So far I think Astro City is very unique in I mean, that's that's the kind of thing what Wes Anderson Like, no more really does what he does And so I think, to be honest, I think for anything else that you see, I would say that is probably going to be your number one throughout the rest of the year. But, I mean, I guess there's, there's like, other stuff kind of in the middle that I think is pretty interesting. You never saw Past Lives, right?
3: No, I'm actually looking that up right now, because apparently it just is getting bumped back into theaters, possibly for uh, Oscar push.
2: Yeah, probably. I was able to actually buy it on Blu-ray for, like, 12 bucks, So, um... So it's definitely coming around. That's that's my favorite movie of the year. American Fiction with Jeffrey Wright, that's not out yet. That's good. Salt burn isn't out yet, that's good. I I like Passages. Passages is pretty good. <laughs> a, a thousand one was good, but I think in Holdovers is really good. But I think um the basic cream and the crop of the year somewhere, however you order it, it's gonna be Barbie Oppenheimer, Astro City, Past Lives, Sawburn American Fiction, and Killers. And probably passages somewhere passages somewhere in the mix there.
3: I think the Marvels might be uh, might be higher up than I care to admit.
2: So I listened to the episode you did with Seth and you said that you you really liked it from a fun standpoint, which I think is more than valid because why not be entertained at the movies? <laughs> so I also
3: feel like we haven't had a lot of fun this year.
2: Other than like Barbie, Barbie, I would Barbie say, Barbie was yes.
3: fun, but it also comes in right at the end to kind of kick you in the dick with feelings.
2: Yeah. I think I mean to be honest, like I think there's probably maybe it's cotton
3: maybe, candy with a rock in it. Like it's not
2: I, I mean because I all fluffy. I wouldn't necessarily classify Actual City as fun. It's very beautiful and bright, but I wouldn't necessarily say that's fun. I don't know if I would qualify Bottoms or Theater Camp as fun, either. Mission Impossible, I guess. (laughs) But, I mean, you know, that's Mission Impossible. So, I mean, yeah, I think the case to be made for, like, commercial releases like *Barbenheimer* and... Marvels is being fun. I think that's basically it. I mean, I mean, Guardians is not fun. Like, there's a lot of dark to Guardians. Um, Guardians, say,
3: I think, was the least fun of anything I've watched this year.
2: I mean, yeah, it was, yeah, we're not going to relitigate that. Uh, would you one, say.
3: One thing I will say, though, is, is uh, this Marvel, the, the Marvels also has another women can't drive joke. Oh, shit. And I'm just like, ah. Uh, <laughs>
2: God damn! Would you say Indiana Jones was fun?
3: Yes, yes, okay. I would say that was fun.
2: Renfield. Also, um, you fun? know what?
3: I'm kind of excited about. Actually, it's not going to be fun. It's going to be fucking abysmal. But I think it might be good. What's that? The Iron Claw.
2: Oh, that's not going to be fun at all. No, no, no. No, but... it's
3: it's going to be fucking abysmal.
2: I. I no, think...
3: Renfield wasn't fun, and that was the problem. It's,
2: I, I had to sneak that in there. I think Iron Claw is It's going to be pretty heavy, but I think it's I'm I think excited. 50s.
3: I'm excited to see Zac Efron like be serious business.
2: Has he ever been serious business before? No, right?
3: Not well, really. Not, I feel he like was
2: he... he was Dahmer, wasn't he? That, I mean, that's uh, it.
3: yeah, yeah. That was that weird like fetishizing of.
2: Jeffrey Dahmer?
3: Yeah. He did uh, Extremely Wicked, Shockingly Evil, and Vile, which is the Dahmer one.
2: There's so many fucking Dahmer movies. Like, it's way too many.
3: Could you imagine if they dropped this on Christmas? They are. I mean, oh, 22nd. I'm to say, yeah. That's so funny. <laughs> I mean. Come trauma bond with your whole family. Oh, my Oh, my God. <laughs>
2: sons come hit your dads on the most precious day of the year oh shit i agree i think the fun this year i mean i guess they tried to make cocaine bear fun and like that was you know it was it was a bear snorting cocaine so my you know.
3: my understanding is that the problem with it was that it was like also not fun enough like they added too many bits
2: i mean the <laughs> The, the novelty, you'd be surprised how fast the novelty of a, of a cocaine-snorting bear runs off, but... It, I also
3: it, heard there wasn't <laughs> enough bear, which seems wrong.
2: I mean, they basically built this story around O'Shea Jackson Jr. and our Peter the goat, Releota, where we don't care about them being drug dealers. We just want to see the bear be violent and high off cocaine, so... Uh, it was I mean it was like decent like it was it was like a three it was a it was a three star movie it was one of those movies like harken back to the 90s of let's just go see trash and let's just like chill out for a bit so it wasn't that fun there were some parts of it that were funny but it wasn't that fun of a movie 20, 2023 the year fun died at the movie theaters
3: yeah right like we've just had some pretty abysmal years bring back the fun. Assholes
2: I mean they are bringing out Wonka So there you go (laughs) I
3: also want that one I I do not want to pay for that But I do want to see it Hilarious
2: But uh (laughs) Speaking of no fun Your favorite character in the Scorsese movie Tom Cruise (laughs) Oh man I don't
3: think I've ever Wanted to punch a man This much (laughs) Holy
2: shit (laughs) So you didn't fall You weren't charmed and mesmerized By by Vincent at all In the movie
3: He made my skin crawl the whole time
2: (laughs) Oh man He's so green Tom Cruise is so green in that movie Holy shit
3: the desperation, not of the character, of Tom Cruise's performance, just oh, clouds every single shot he's in. Even when he's not in in the in the foreground, I can still feel it. It's just waves, waves of please notice me, please let the please, 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 please. And I can't oh!
2: Followed by the pompadour hair The whole movie <laughs> and, the,
3: and the fucking coke guys
2: oh. I like to imagine that Vincent and Fast Eddie Are kind of this This dueling thing of Scorsese To where Where Scorsese was And where Scorsese wants to go And like the cocaine journey of Vincent Where was, where's. Scorsese was, especially in the eighties. I think I think Tom Cruise is really trying to mimic that.
3: I think I said in one of our episodes that nobody hates men the way that Scorsese hates men.
2: (laughs) Oh man.
3: And I stand by that.
2: (laughs) I mean it's true. I, I agree with you. I agree with you.
3: But also like he seems a little like pleased with himself that he hates men. Like he, there's a little bit of like <laughs> hating men is subversive and cool that he's like. Sometimes <laughs> I feel.
2: I dig. I I see the vision. I see the vision. But I like Color Money, but I do think that's actually the biggest weakness of the movie. Where Vincent, we don't see his actual arc. His arc happens off camera, so we don't. There's no journey to like of his.
3: What is his arc?
2: He an adult. I don't know. That's uh, the thing. Like, does, yeah, like does
3: he? Like, I think he just realizes <laughs> money is good, which is a yeah. thing he knew already. Uh, like, uh, him him still relying on somebody else to run the tables for him in his girlfriend, and then being mad that his girlfriend isn't as good at it as a guy who has 50 years experience on them, to me, it's not an arc. Yeah. If he did one growth, like, one (laughs) earnest growth that wasn't him, like, getting ready to pat himself on the back. Like, what are we doing? (laughs) Yeah, You know? Like, it's, it's, he... (sighs) He just, like, sits his happy ass down and is like, hey... I grew, except I didn't! Aren't you proud of me? Who can't grow now, Dad? And it's like...
2: (laughs) Oh. Wow, you
3: completely undermined that.
2: Yeah. Is Vincent the villain in this movie?
3: I think so. I mean, we know for sure that the optometrist is the hero of the piece.
2: (laughs) The unsung hero?
3: No. No, he, he... He's sung. The first thing that they say when we see Vincent is, I like the glasses. (laughs) Like, no, that up top. Listen, man, I can tell you that I'm mad about it.
2: (laughs) Mad mad at Vincent or who you mad at?
3: I'm just mad. I'm as mad as hell and I'm
0: not going to take this
3: anymore. It wasn't a movie about anything at the end of the day. It's, it's a movie about the male ego, and we have a lot of those.
2: That is true. That is true. Uh, <laughs> I, I also see what you wrote on letterbox. Of all of the Marty movies, this sure is one of them. <laughs> I mean, I don't disagree ultimately. I think from Eddie's perspective, I mean, shit. I don't even know if he really even has an arc. Like, I think. I, hear me I, out. I have a, <laughs> I have
3: a theory here. Yeah. I think Scorsese threw together a movie really fucking fast to work with Paul Newman. I All mean, right. I feel dude. like Paul Newman was like, I got a couple months. And Scorsese was like, give me a week. <laughs> Hey, hey, you, young, young kid that reeks of desperation, come here. <laughs> hey, a bunch of other background actors, all of whom look like either Frank Oz or Francis Ford Coppola, come here.
2: <laughs> but can you blame him, though? He knew it was great in this movie. I loved it.
3: Yeah, no, he's, he's fine. But also, without him, there's no movie. Because it's just say? through Paul Newman acting that there's even kind of a movie. You want to play him?
0: Me? Sure. You really
3: don't want to play me? 20 a rack.
0: No, yeah, 500 a rack. I can't get <laughs> Oh, are you serious? <laughs> I never kid about money. <laughs> Cowards! Off with their heads. You don't know what you're doing, do you?
3: What do you mean?
0: What? Just blew 500 bucks. That kid has both arms in traction, he beats anybody in the room.
3: Yeah.
2: Yeah,
0: he could. So I'll offer it to you again, I'll play him for 500 bucks. You don't know what to say, do you? Maybe I'm hustling you, maybe I'm not, you don't know, but you should know. So, if you know that, you know when to say yes, you know when to say no. Everybody goes home in a limousine. So, what should he say,
3: yes or
0: no? You should say no. You know why? Because it's too much money and I'm an unknown. He should be the unknown. I mean, that would be nice. That would be beautiful. You could play around with that, you could control that. You know what I mean? I'll offer T again. I'll play him for 500 bucks. No. Actually, you should have said yes. But how are you going to know that? I mean, it's very hard to know that. It's very complex. It's like, which twin has got the Tony? Maybe they both got the Tony. Maybe Tony's a guy. Maybe Tony's bald, you know? How do you know that? It's very complicated. Plus, too much money. This is crazy. Just common
2: sense. Mm. Yeah. Like that's why
3: half of the movie is them just him like (laughs) reacting to things. It's all reaction shots.
2: Yeah, because the movie kind of builds as the trio of Frank Vincent and you know the girl, but is is really this is this is fast Eddie's movie. And they're just living in the universe. Like that's basically it's
3: it's fast Eddie's movie and what does he learn? (laughs)
2: How to see?
3: <laughs> yeah, he so he learns that Vincent is a shit, which we knew.
2: Yeah.
3: He learns that money is good, which he knew. Uh, yeah. Am I missing anything?
2: Uh, he knew how to dress.
3: Yeah, he knew that when he started. <laughs>
2: That's that That's shit. not a girl. Oh shit! Uh, <laughs> I was gonna say he knew how to play pool, but he that was a no, start. No, he knew that, that when he went start.
3: in. He just got glasses, and it magically fixed all his problems.
2: As a guy who needs glasses, I see the vision literally and figuratively. As as a
3: person who also needs glasses, I too (laughs) see the vision. But then why the fuck was he driving?
2: (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) This This is just 80s movies, boy. Let's just let's just work with some cool actors and let's just let's just do it. Let's just hang out. Let's hang out at a pool hall. That's that's all Marty wanted to do: hang out at a pool hall.
3: That's it. I, lit- do- I literally think that he was like doing research for another movie, and Paul Newman was like, "I can go now," and he's like, <laughs>
1: "Uh,
3: yeah, okay." So it's it's a pool movie, and uh, there's a young guy, and there's a grizzled veteran. And, um, 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 uh, they, 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 don't get along except when they do. And like, maybe the old guy's fucking the young guy's girlfriend. Why is the girlfriend there? don't worry about it? She's there. <laughs> to me, it feels so slapped together. And Cruz's desperation is even when he like has his glow up and he's supposedly like competent now, like every time I see him, he's just like, please like me, please like me, please like me. It's like, oh my God. <laughs> So we have a movie about nothing, we have one really standout amazing performance, and then we have just, like, this (sighs) wafting desperation. And it's not even (laughs) like he's like, I want this guy to say he's proud of me. Because that's not what it is. Yeah. It's just, like, audience. Like me, audience. Like me, audience. (laughs) And it's not like it goes away, like if it went away when he got like wise, I would be like, this is the best acting that's ever acted. But it (laughs) doesn't. They're like, he's been on his own for what, six weeks now. And uh, suddenly he's a big big shot, except like his girlfriend doesn't make enough money for him and he freaks out. But then it's like still so pulled back because it's like, please like me audience. Please like me, please like me. I'm not a bad guy. Please like me, please like me. (laughs) am i wrong like am i misreading this at all
2: no and the academy well i was gonna say the academy roughly feels the same way but they got four nominations three above the line and paul newman was nominated and won for best actor which i thought tracks
3: i'll take Um, that
2: and he he beat William Hurt, who we talk a little bit uh, a little bit later for Ch- Children of the Lesser God. Um,
3: oh, that actually surprises me a little bit.
2: I know we'll we'll circle back though. We'll circle back. Mary Elizabeth Master Antonio got nominated for her role as Best Supporting Actor, which I don't get. The... <laughs> Ooh, that was a slow year, boy. Oh, as
3: shit. as woman. Like, I, I, this is all about Marty. This is not about her at all. That is that role is the equivalent of Smurfette.
2: I mean, listen, man. She, she was. It's so funny. She did. I had. I swear to God, I'm not lying about this. In the scene where she's in the bathrobe, but it's basically slid open, so you see just like her front. I had this flashback of. Where have I seen this before? And she literally does the exact same thing in Scarface, like, like four years earlier. And they're like, you know what? We need to give this woman a nomination for this role. Like, and it wasn't the Oscars. She got nominated for like Best Supporting Actress at the Golden Globes, too. Like, I just don't get that. That shit was funny, boy. (laughs) Cat is using her head The microphone is supporting Cat's head From banging to the keyboard right now Oh man (laughs) I don't know man God bless but I don't know I do not know
3: I mean was it like one of those cases Where she probably should have been nominated For something else in a real stacked year So they just were like oh she's in a movie Give it to her she's in a movie Uh, Uh <laughs> as I as I stutter, uh,
2: no. Uh, I mean, well, actually, it's so funny. James Cameron, he's re-releasing The Abyss, and she was in The Abyss, but she was playing the, the nag wife in The Abyss. So it's like,
3: <laughs> fucking remastered True Lies. You goddamn weirdo. I'm ready.
2: Bitch, I'm telling you the truth. She looks beautiful. Beautiful gowns. But I, I don't know what this nomination is coming from. And also, you would be proud to know this. Best Screenplay. You <laughs> got the Best Screenplay nomination. <laughs> oh,
3: man. Ah! <laughs> ah. Oh! God white bless. White men sure do like pictures about other white men, don't they? I mean...
2: Obviously, I love 1986, but this is a weird time, buddy boy. This is a weird time.
3: I don't know. It was, like, competently shot.
2: I was going to say, like, I think the best two things in this movie are Paul Newman and the stylistic choices and the cinematography. But Marty didn't didn't even get nominated for Best Direction. Like, he didn't get Best Direction. That's because I don't
3: think he directed anybody for it. Like, I think Paul Newman showed up and he pointed a camera at him.
2: He let him cook. He let Newman cook, buddy boy. Uh
3: it, it didn't
2: That's even why get nominated. I think it's
3: so weird that it gets a screenplay nomination though. Because so much of what works about the movie is just Paul Newman sitting there thinking.
2: <laughs> During the seminal moment where their relationship fractures and he needs to leave, Newman is literally just thinking for three minutes in a row. Like, that's all Paul Newman is doing. Like, I can't even do a drop for it. Like, there's no real dialogue. He just...
3: Just drop the music. It literally says, like, title song begins again is one of the (laughs) subtitles I saw.
2: I'm not surprised. I am not surprised. (laughs) So, I mean... That best screenplay nomination that, that that does look a little bit funny, man. It looks a little bit funny.
3: Paul Newman in thought. Oh, give this man a screenplay nomination. <laughs>
2: yeah, I, cause it, cause it's not even like Vincent says. There's no, there's no like moment to where Vincent gets the light bulb moment. There's no moment where Karma gets like her shine. Like even Fast Eddie's girl. Like I love her. I love her as an actress. I love their dialogue together. I love the way that they talk to each other and how each conversation they have, they basically whisper to each other. But even still, on one hand, it's pretty intimate and pretty lovely, but at the same time, it's just regular folks. Like, there's not there's not much going on with them either. So it's like, I don't know what this screenplay nom came from. I just don't. I really don't. This is just, it's a cool movie. That's it. It's a cool-looking movie. Paul Newman. 10 out of 10. No notes. That's it. That's basically it.
3: Good lemonade. <laughs> Good salad dressing. <laughs> Not the lemonade. Not the lemonade.
1: Coming down the aisle. Representing the Hyphen Podcast Group. Hey the unbeatable team of B-hyphen. I'm just saying you worked yourself into a shoot. Answer the question. Handsome Bane. My my firm belief is a DDT should beat anybody. Showing Mad Love.
2: What do me this Batman? If two go in the pink.
1: No. Anomalus. Biggity dough. And Cat Chinetti.
3: That's what Brock really? Lesnar thinks he looks like, if Brock Lesnar <laughs> were a beautiful woman. They are the
2: WrestleCast. Power Out! The there's nothing else to say about uh, The Color of Money, which is a okay movie in the filmography of, of Martin Scorsese.
3: Sure is a movie.
2: It is a movie. Uh, so already, already mentioned "Children of a Lesser God," and that actually got a pretty substantial amount of nominations uh, in total. It got five noms, including Best Picture. It got nominated. Uh, William Hurt, like I said before, nominated for Best Actor. Marley Malin won Best Actress for her portrayal as Sarah Norman, and. Her mom, her mom got nominated for best supporting actress, and I was so okay. uh, She's in two scenes, but okay, and then got she
3: she does a great. She makes a a full meal out of those
2: scenes, though. More than Mary Elizabeth Master Antonio, and 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 got nominated for for best screenplay. So best adapted screenplay.
3: Can I just throw one thing out there that I threw in at the end of our episode at one point, but it really, really, really bothered me in this one? Go for it. The fucking subtitles weren't right. In a movie about hearing-impaired oh people, my God. the fucking subtitles weren't right. I paid to rent this, and the subtitles weren't right. And I even decided, you know what? I'm going to pay to rent it from a non-Amazon service. See if Amazon's the problem. Nope. Nope. <sighs>
2: Jeez. Was it just unsynced or the words just completely wrong? The,
3: the words were the gist of what was being said, but were not right.
2: Jesus Christ. That's no good. That is no, no good at all.
3: Especially because a lot of the stuff that is said, the phrasature of how it is said is really important.
2: Just a bit. Just a bit. So, did you, like me, have... Kind of an immediate problem with Children of I Lesser God Because I was I was kind of taken aback By kind of the ableism of the movie And a big part of me really had to kind of think about the context of 1986 And they're living in a world that's not really accessible And so Them being taught how to, to actually speak Is more of a survival tool than but it's like a survival tool And it's assimilation too and I just felt really weird about that The entire movie
3: That's so fair Yeah, it's a, it's deeply fucking weird First of all, yes, it is ableist we, we just gotta call that out But it is not nearly So, like it, She's, she's a, a person And, and <laughs> she, and is she has person, agency yes. And opinions And she is not dumb
2: Oh yeah I love. I do love Sarah, the character, and the portrayal. Like she's
3: she's a character.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
3: And I think that's important. William Hurt thinks he's the star of like an inspiration porn, like miracle worker, <laughs> chicken soup for the soul movie. Yeah. She's like, no, fuck you, you're not. And I think that that in, I'm sure it it seems with 2023 eyes pretty fucked up. Yeah. But I would love to know how this was received at the time.
2: Well, and that's another problem, because well, critically, it's received by a lot of critics who are not hearing it mm-hmm. So, but it was, I mean, it was pretty high praise. Like, I remember watching the episode with Cisco and, and Ebert, and they fucking loved it. Like, they were, like, really about it
1: our next film children of a lesser god is one of the year's finest pictures and it's also that rarest of movie commodities coming out of hollywood a genuine love story a little bit old-fashioned in its passion which means it has a lot of passion and that's fine with me but there is a twist here the relationship is between a teacher of the deaf played by william hurt and a deaf young woman played by marlee matlin making a spectacular and sensuous film debut as a very bright but reclusive person that william hurt must first bring out of her shell. They do have real chemistry on the screen, and they also create a real tension between them because this young woman, and she's really feisty, as you can see, demands equal time to teach William Hurt a thing or two, not just about deaf people, but about women and about relationships. Let's face it, a love story works when you care about the couple, when you're not sure how it's all gonna turn out, and when you learn something about relationships along the way. All That Happens in Children of Lesser God, a title well, I think a lot of people are gonna think is a downer, but assuredly, it's not. I think it's one of the best love stories in American movies in quite some time. Well, I think it's a good movie. I like the performances, and I'm recommending the movie basically on uh, the basis of those performances. Particularly William Hurt, I think. As a William Hurt, yeah. yes.
3: You know what I was thinking about? Did they ever make you read this in school? They made me read The Miracle Worker, the play about Annie Sullivan and Helen Keller.
2: Oh, uh, no, they did not.
3: And it was written in 1959, and basically they're like, she domesticated Helen Keller. Like, she did it. Helen Keller can now not be a freak because this woman, like, yells at her in sign language into submission. And that doesn't happen here. Yeah. And that's not framed as a failing. As a non-hearing impaired person, I don't know if that's good or not, but it's different it's nice seeing a person with a hearing impairment have agency and not just be the thing that you want, like that you can put on your fridge as like a, they did it.
2: Yeah. You
3: know, and even the, even the kid in the classroom who won't talk good for that kid, but it's about their opinions and agency.
2: Yeah. And so I think that that one moment at the very end of the movie between William Hurt and that kid who basically wore plaid and didn't say anything in the entire movie. I think for his character, like William's Hurt character as a teacher, his whole thing is about getting them to talk. And I think by the end of the movie, with his journey, and they kind of look at each other, and William is not pressuring him to talk. And then when he doesn't, he's not disappointed. Like there's like this yeah. kind of silent moment that they share, and I think that's the concession that. His character fully understands that it's okay if a, if a deaf person doesn't speak. And I will
3: also just say that it's a real quick throwaway line, but he is hired as a speech teacher, so yeah. that is what he's there to do.
2: Yeah, yeah, but yeah, that's the thing, and it's like I think for for Sarah, her whole thing is like you said that agency of if I want to make it in the world and not speak. I should have the freedom and the comfortability to do so. And she's constantly clashing against her character. And I think at the end, I think that's his, not, his acknowledgement that she was right ultimately. And that the kid is right ultimately also. I wish, though, it may have been articulated, but he at least had that moment. And I think that moment is pretty... I noticed it and I thought it was pretty important. so maybe other deaf folks will think that's important too. Or hearing prayer yeah.
3: Things I think that this movie shows so many facets of life for these folks with yeah. different levels of hearing impairment by the way I do like that they acknowledge that it's a spectrum like there's a lot of stuff yeah I also think it's very interesting that like this movie is so like visually boring <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's, it's a straight shooter it like is a every, straight every
3: time, to- Except when they're swimming. And the swimming is shot like it's the most beautiful thing in the world. And I was thinking about this. And it's because everyone's fucking deaf underwater.
2: <laughs> that's what William Hurt realizes also. <laughs>
3: right. But, like, that's why I think Sarah likes it there so much. And that's yeah. why it's filmed like this beautiful thing. Because that is the equalizer. Yeah. And, like... Everything else is beige.
2: Well, I obviously I miss autumn. I love the autumnness of this whole movie, but every this is a big earth tone ass movie. Like, there's like, a lot of muted and distressed greens, a lot of brown, like hits of yellow, hits of orange, hits of red. But it's a lot of a uh, big fall vibes. Uh, yeah, a lot of beige, a lot of beige. Um, actually, it's funny. The I think the best parts visually of the movie, which you said is the actual moments that we see with, with Sarah in the pool. And my favorite part of her performance is the way that she signs. It's so like charismatic and it's like so endearing and she's doing, she's talking in her, it feels like what her normal kind of speak would be, but it's so, like poetic and so visually appealing plus that. And like the, the pool scenes that we're kind of talking about, I think those are the best visual parts of this movie. Everything else is basically a lifetime movie in the (laughs) eighties.
3: Oh, I actually, I, there's one other scene that I think is really excellent and, and visually interesting. And that is when they're talking with the deaf economist, because all of the deaf people are wearing bright, vibrant colors. Okay. And all of the hearing people are wearing, like, neutrals and muted tones. Okay. And you actually get to see a bunch of hearing-impaired joy. Yeah. They are wearing their joy.
2: And that scene, too, shout out to the gal you dead, Pennant. I think a flaw of the movie, which I think this flaw exists so you can't have a movie, is everyone says, Sarah's so smart, Sarah's so smart, but then she becomes a janitor, if she was that smart, she would have went to Gal Dead. And so it's like, well, I think they did the acknowledging obviously, but it's like that's a flaw of the movie. But it's it's like one of those things that you have to have so the movie can exist. If she if she goes to Galu Dead, these two people never meet in this universe. so. But I
3: also think that you know a lot of it is about being afraid. Yeah. yeah. You know, because when she goes home, she starts saving to go to college. And so I think that it is very interesting that like she does decide to to not be scared anymore, but in her own lane, like it's her decision that she's making. Yeah, it's about her. It's not about other people's expectations of her, and I think that's important. Yeah,
2: uh, shout out to Gal shout out to DC. I think it is probably like the in America at least the. I guess most popular, like most famous higher education place for the hearing impaired. But we haven't really talked about William Hurt. What do you think about Hurt's performance in this?
3: I think he does a great job. It's a really delicate balance, right? Because he clearly like wants to hear her selfishly, but also I do think it is so so based in love. Yeah. He doesn't know how to not know. You know, like they say, oh, his resume is all over the place. He's tried a ton of different things and he's taught at all these different places and he's learned all these different languages and blah, blah, blah. And it's like pretty clear that he like doesn't know if you like something or not until he's done it. Yeah. And so I, it doesn't surprise me at all that that transfers over to this thing. And it doesn't surprise me at all that he kind of doesn't know how to deal with a boundary that isn't a negotiation. Yeah. He just acts through it so well.
2: I think you could probably make the argument that of his generation of 80s actors, he may be the best. He's really up there. Like if you look at his 80s and his like his 80s kind of run, he was nominated for a Golden Globe for Alter Sates, which that movie's bugged out, which I kind of like Alter States. Then in eighty five he won the Academy Award for Best Actor and the um Golden Globe for Best Actor for Kiss of the Spider Woman. Eighty six he was nominated for Children of a God. Eighty seven he was nominated for Broadcast News, a movie which I absolutely love, and I'm really surprised we did not put it on the docket for this season. He also had Accidental Tours, he had the big chill, like his eighties run is like really stellar.
3: Body heat.
2: Oh, body! I forgot to name that. Like, yeah, William Hurt was his eighties run was pretty spectacular, and I think in this movie, I think he does a great job of, especially his introduction to the kids, where he's like energetic, he's endearing, and he has this this genuine need to want to help them. That is all translated, and even if we look at it through the lens of twenty twenty three, and You know, It's a little bit iffy If you look at the lens of the moment And the context I think he would have been a pretty excellent teacher For these people But also his journey with Sarah And the conflict that they constantly have with each other I think that they I think they have real chemistry But also I think they have A real delicate dance with each other To where they have these both opposing viewpoints And they really try to work through them earnestly Even if he has Bigger troubles than her I would say
3: Yeah. And his earnestness in this movie is just so great. I also have no idea if he learned to sign for the role or if he had that knowledge already going in. I was
2: wondering that too. I was wondering that too.
3: It's very impressive because as the movie goes on, he gets so much better at it.
2: Yeah. So I gave it a three and a half on letterbox and I just think because of the how it aged, but I can see in the moment why I got the accolades, and I I definitely see why she would have won Best Actress for this. Like she's like so radiant in this movie, like it's it's incredible, like how Marley is in this movie. Like I fully was engrossed by her.
3: Yeah, she's she's electric, and also like you know. Not to be gross about it, she's just so fucking pretty.
2: Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like,
3: she's just so fucking pretty.
2: Yeah, she, uh. Like,
3: I totally see how he immediately was just like, well, there she is.
2: (laughs) Exactly. I would have felt the same way. I would have thought of all kinds of signs to give her. (laughs) Oh, man we've been talking a little bit about the last couple of weeks as far as like theater and the screen. This is based off of a play and I'm very I, curious to what this play would actually look like.
3: I imagine that there's less swimming and it yeah. probably pretty much all takes place in the classroom.
2: <laughs> yes. But I'm like
3: you, know, you could do a one set play with that pretty easily.
2: So cuz I'm thinking like a big theater And is Sarah going to sign, like, the entire, like, performance?
3: I mean, it might be, like, um, I don't know if you've ever heard of Deaf West, the production company. But Mm -hmm. Deaf West is a deaf musical theater troupe. And they often will have hearing-impaired people sign performances, those that don't speak or can't speak, and have an interpreter for them. So, like, they did Hunchback of Notre Dame, where Quasimodo spoke exclusively in sign, and Esmeralda spoke in sign and spoke. Nice. And one of the gargoyles would speak to Quasimodo, or as Quasimodo, to the audience. Okay. But also, he says almost everything she says out loud.
2: Yeah. So, I wonder if in the play they kind of do the same exact thing, too. Yeah. And one thing we have not talked about was I really like the kids in the movie The students in the movie were very, very endearing I love spending time with them every time we were on screen with them So they did a really good job with this too And the the fashion, oh my god
3: (laughs) I want that fringe jacket
2: Oh, that the black kid with the wild ass print shirt. Like, I was like, yes, he had the, it was like the wild print with like the the black overalls. Like, yes, please keep serving me, young sir.
3: (laughs) Please. Young young Uh, uh, serve.
2: Exactly. Shout out to young serve. Shout out to young serve. I know you rated it the same, but. I'm assuming that you like children of a God way more than Color Money.
3: <laughs> yeah, I think that they are probably technically both very similar in terms of like what they are about. Proficiency. <laughs> the camera movement.
2: But uh, I think I think that's maybe where the the uh, comparison stop. They both got they both got Oscar nominations, the same Oscars. I think this would the comparison kind of stops.
3: That's kind of wild to me. <laughs> but that's fine, I guess. They didn't <laughs> ask me; I wasn't alive yet.
2: I mean, so this was kind of a interesting Oscars. This was like *Platoon*, *Blue Velvet*, which woof *Brown Midnight*, which I still need to watch. Um, Paul Hasson's got Best Actor now for *Mona Lisa*, which is really, really good. I really like *Mona Lisa*. So this was this was kind of a. I would say pretty tame Oscars. I think the thing that has lasted throughout the years is probably Blue Velvet. And even that's like a indie film, like not indie film, but like just a, if you like film, like you know Blue Velvet, even if you haven't watched, like you at least know the lore of it or whatever. Hoosiers, which I think, which is kind of age like milk, but Platoon kind of, Platoon was definitely of the moment, but people don't really talk about Platoon that much anymore. And that's probably because of Oliver Stone. Um, so, so this is kind of a, I would say of the Oscars. This is kind of a tame Oscars. Your favorite song from Top Gun? One best original song? Take My Breath Away.
3: <laughs> the, so, truly, the screensaver of music.
2: <laughs> that's that's kind of wild. Tom Cruise did this in Color. money you're saying here. That's, yeah, uh,
3: it and it's so weird Because he doesn't feel desperate like that in Top Gun Like, yeah. there is a little bit of, like, please like me But, like, once he gets good at stuff It, it goes away
2: Yeah yeah. You
3: know, he doesn't have those shifty, crazy eyes In quite the same way He doesn't seem like he's afraid If he sneezes on set, he'll be shot in the head
2: <laughs> Yeah So I've been thinking about Newman's arc and what it is and what it absolutely isn't Mm -hmm. and I mean the only thing I can really come up with is he just learns to be old and to accept his oldness like that's it like I mean like (laughs) like that's that's basically it like I don't I don't know man I think that's that's really it he gets his description he gets description and the fly glasses and he's back like that's like that's basically it so so yeah man uh it was cool but you know it is what it is it is what it is
3: the past man
2: (laughs) the 80s they're they're a wild ride cat they're a wild ride
1: if you've enjoyed the episode please subscribe rate us five stars leave a review and tell a friend to tell a friend Follow Kat at Ketchenetti on X, Instagram, and Letterboxd. Follow Marcus at Show and Mad Love, S-H-O-W-I-N-M-A-D-L-O-V on X and Letterboxd. Follow the show at Kat and Mark on X. This podcast is executive produced by Kellen Conley and Eric Greenlee. Thanks for listening. We should do this again sometime.
2: This is a Hyphen Podcast production.
1: Are you not entertained?